This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. up everybody hello and welcome to the first ever episode 72 of the best seats podcast the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in orange county to the rest of southern california and beyond each and every episode i'm your host croft mccarthy founder of the best seats thank you as always to my friend ali coil who provides music for the show you can find more of her work at alicoilmusic.com or check out any of her family's three restaurants here if you are in the orange county area Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach, Dublin 4, and Wine Works for Everyone, both in Mission Viejo. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review. Share it on social media. It helps other folks discover it as well. Don't forget that you can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And you can also get ad-free early access if you support over on patreon.com forward slash thebestseats at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. A ton of new stuff is going to be coming um, as we move into 2022. Obviously, episode 72, we just kind of finished the holiday break for Christmas and things like that. We were off that past week. Um, I didn't feel right putting up a guest right before the holidays between Christmas Eve, you know, Christmas, Boxing Day, whatever you celebrate or choose to or spending time with family in general. Um, I, I didn't want to put an episode up and have that person's episode kind of get buried under the uh, weight of the holidays. So we took a week off um, and New Year's is right around the corner. This is going to be the last actual episode of the podcast for this year. Um, there will be an interstitial episode that we'll be launching on Patreon tomorrow. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, it may already be live. If you support on Patreon, obviously those episodes you get uh, basically a week early ad free access to, etc. This one is going to exclusively stay on Patreon. This is not going to be a traditional best seats uh, podcast episode. The one that is following this one. Uh, 73 will be dropping beginning of the new year. I've got the guest already recorded. I'm very excited for it. But the one that will be dropping is basically all about kind of the resolutions for the brand and, and things like that. But that is for a different time because for episode 72, we got a great, great interview. My friend Inga Tantasalachai from Olia over in Newport Beach. She is supremely talented. She is just a competition cocktail queen killing it all over. She's been with the bar program up in Newport Beach there, slinging it for just over four years. Uh, we sat down a few weeks ago, right before, actually right before a major cocktail competition that I was fortunate enough to be asked to be a judge at down in um, Laguna, just basically to talk about her history and how she got into this, back into it after being a teacher for some time, what kind of her theory is and how she approaches making cocktails. Um, the way that she really utilizes her history as, no pun intended, a history teacher to tell stories through her drinks. And it's a reason that there are people that go back to the restaurant, you know, month after month to check out that monthly cocktail that she does. There's a whole story behind it. She's a really, really awesome person. She is very, very smart, very well-read, traveled, educated, and she knows how to make a damn drink. So while a drink may not be the thing that you need following holidays, depending on how you got after it, I know that mine involved quite a couple of bottles. Um, it's a really, really, really great one. One of my resolutions is to go out and hit more places. I have a handful that I go to pretty consistently, but I want to try to mix it up a little bit more. And I'm sure that's one of your resolutions as well. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into episode 72 of the Best Seats podcast featuring the very, very, very talented Ingatana Salachai. Enjoy. Inga, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down. I was going to say beautiful day in Newport Beach, but this is one of the few rainy ones we have. Although this being December, I'm, I'm kind of okay with California when it, winter actually feels like winter, but still. Uh, we chatted very, very briefly a couple episodes ago, the Poppy and Seed uh, Herbie's Cocktail Competition one. But I wanted to get you back on the show for a proper kind of individual sit down to talk about what you do and, and Olia and your background and everything else. 
But for those who may not have listened to that quick episode or are familiar with your work, would you mind introducing yourself and give it a little bit of your background? Yeah, my name is Inga Tantisalichai. I am the lead bartender uh, slash mixologist over at um, Olia here in Newport Beach, California. Um, I've been bartending for, let's see, let's just say 18 plus years without aging me too much. Probably more than that, probably 20 plus years. Um, but I love this industry. I actually uh, started into this industry just because, you know, it was easy money. It was flexible hours, great for school. And actually was a teacher, a high school teacher for a while. Um, but thanks to um, the budget cuts, lost my job. So I went back to bartending. And what did you, before we jump into the rest of kind of your history, because now I'm curious, was it chemistry? Because that would kind of fit with mixology. But That would, that would. But unfortunately, it was actually history. So more storytelling, which I... That also fits in a fair way. Also fits into the whole entire cocktail realm, especially with doing competitions. Um, uh, really didn't consider um, bartending as an actual career until a little bit later in life. And, you know, once I started doing competitions, the potential to, you know, kind of make this a career became very feasible. Um, my very first competition I think I ever entered was um, Chivas Regal's competition like years back. Um, and I think I made it to the semifinals um, on that one, but didn't make it to the finals. But, you know, made it to the semifinals. So I was very proud of myself, especially since it was my first time entering. Um, second time I did it was for the Bacardi Legacy and made it to the regional finals for L.A. That was the year I went against uh, Chris Amium. Who, that's, yeah, that's no small feat. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to be categorized with all these fantastic mixologists and bartenders out there for me was such an honor and it was a great learning experience um i keep entering competitions because you know there's always something to gain and learn each time you do um, a competition especially if you don't win because then you look to see what the winning competitor did and you're like okay well like when i competed against chris amian his story about his cocktail was just so beautifully told um and that for me was like oh i didn't know we had to like incorporate this yeah. Beautiful story to like sell your cocktail. So I learned something from that, that experience. And then, um, gosh, I don't even remember the next one I did after. Oh, then I just started doing like, um, I did Espelon Tequila. Um, I did their cocktail fights twice. Um, I've done Woodford Reserve's Manhattan Experience twice. Made each time and I keep making, making it to the regional finals, but never make it past that. So it's always been like kind of a goal to kind of reach, reach, reach. But at the same time, you know, having that um, acknowledgement of even making it to like regional finals for me was a huge thing just because it kind of gave me a little confirmation that, you know what, maybe I do. Maybe there's something here. Yeah, maybe I have a little potential in, in this kind of realm. And that's really I, where I felt like I kind of pushed myself to be like, okay, this is the route I'm going to go. And I'm just going to kind of focus on bartending and mixology and, and kind of see where it takes me. And it's opened up so many beautiful opportunities for me. Um, here at Olea, we started something called the Cocktail Journal. Um, basically, I feature a premium spirit um, every month, something that we don't normally carry here in-house. And I create a, a fun little cocktail with it. And with it comes a story. Um, again, with the whole concept of a journal and being, you know, a history, an ex-history teacher, you know, telling stories through my cocktails was kind of a fun experience. You know, I got to write I got to kind of express myself in a little bit more of an artistic way. Um, and the journal just kind of took off. So um, we've been doing it now for almost four years since we pretty much opened. Um, I've been running this uh, little side program here. And from that, um, I've met uh, the National Brand Ambassador for Papas Pilar. And they came in, and I'm a rum runner for them here on the West Coast. So I am it's the only. a lot cooler job title than just a rep. <laughs> like, sorry for everybody else I know who does on-prem and stuff like that, but you're not a rum runner. Yeah. So <laughs> that looks pretty dope on a LinkedIn page. Yeah. Having the title of a rum runner is kind of cool. And um, being the only one here on the West Coast, it's been a little bit um, challenging just because I'm not used to that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm used to just kind of being behind the bar and talking to reps. So now being on the other side, on certain aspects, you know, trying to get placement in restaurants and stuff. It's been, it's been a challenge, but it's been a fun challenge. Yeah. I, I want to back up a little bit and go through the time frame a little bit more because it, I feel like we missed an origin story in there somewhere going from teaching history. And first of all, what age group were you teaching? I taught, um, 
high school uh, sophomores and seniors. So I taught. Okay, that explains that explains the liquor. Yeah, immediately <laughs> having spent time around them, lovely people, but sometimes you want to bury them. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't just. I mean, again. You go from teaching in high school to all of a sudden entering competitions and landing in, you know, regional kind of finishes and things like that and and semis and kind of what have you. How did the jump in between go? I mean, were you always fascinated by spirits, but it's the stereotypical thing, you know, the joke, pouring a little whiskey in the teacher's coffee mug, like shit, another day, here we go, got to make it through. (laughs) But where's the, the kind of time jump between the two? I mean, did you just obviously the budget cuts like you lose your position, which is obviously terrible and unfortunate because God knows that teachers are absolute heroes and deserve way more than what they get across the board. And then all of a sudden you're in cocktail competitions. What Walk me through the in-between. Um, well, because I got laid off um, through teaching, I went back to bartending full-time again. And one of um, my fellow bartenders at the time, uh, she, Stacy Stenton, I love her to death. Um, she entered, uh, she was... She was one of those bartenders that entered competitions. And um, we had worked together at Charlie Palmer. Um, and then she moved to Vegas, um, which is where she's from, and went moved back there and worked for Hakkasan. And while she was there, she entered the MIB competition, the Bombay Sapphire's Most Innovative mm-hmm. Bartender. And she ended up making it to the finals, how to spread in GQ and everything. And I was like, wow, you know, you're so great at what you do. You know, can you? give me some advice in case I ever want to like consider it. She goes, you need to do it. She goes, you have the potential to do it. And so she was one of those pushing factors that was like, you know, now that you're not teaching anymore, really consider doing this. You know, it's a great way to get your name out there. It's a great way for you to hone your craft even mm-hmm. more because now you're looking at, speci- you know, specificities. Like, is that the right way to say it? I don't know. <laughs> we're just going to say yes. Anybody can write into the show and tell us if we're wrong. We probably are, but it's a co- <laughs> we're talking about cocktails, so it's fine. Leave the grammar out of it. Besides, she was a history teacher, not an English teacher. Let's not nitpick. <laughs> um, so, you know, she was kind of like that motivating factor to kind of push me, you know, into doing the competitions. Because yeah. I went back to bartending because at the time I was like, well, I know bartending. I do that well. Um, I still get to socialize with people, but instead of socializing with high school students, and I, I now get to socialize with adults and have yeah. a lot, a little bit more fun, you know, I can cuss, <laughs> you know, in front of them and not feel like I'm going to be reprimanded or anything like that. So um, that was kind of like the transition. And I think the big part was, you know, getting laid off was kind of like that push, like, okay, maybe, you know, I did think that this was the route I wanted to take, but that was kind of like the world telling me, no, yeah, you need to go back to to bartending. And I'm so happy I made that decision. That's excellent. In an industry where people move about and kind of free agency is not something that's uncommon for whatever the factors are that play into it. You've been here several years now. There's only a couple people, I would say in Orange County at your talent level that can also say they've been at the same place for a number of years. When did you land here kind of with the restaurant group? What was that like? And then kind of what's been keeping you here before we dive into more of kind of the day to day and, and yeah. the month to month cocktails and stuff more. So back when I worked at Charlie Palmer, um, I worked with a gentleman named Gabe Orley mm-hmm. and he actually left Charlie Palmer to uh, partner in with Russ Bendel, um, Kyle Simpson, Kevin Frankie and the rest of the group. Um, and they took over Vine in downtown San Clemente. Yep. So that's when he left the Charlie Palmer group. And I would go visit him down at Vine and stuff. And um, he op- they eventually opened up Ironwood a few, la- few years later. And um, after Charlie Palmer closed, I kind of jumped around to different restaurants. And um, Gabe hit me up one year and was like, hey, I'm opening a new restaurant in Newport Beach total Charlie Palmer kind of vibe, you know, because I really liked working there. It was a great crowd. And not only that, but at Charlie Palmer was one of the first restaurants that gave bartenders that free, well, the one that I worked at was, you know, they gave bartenders the freedom to design the cocktail menu. Whereas all the restaurants I worked at prior, they had their set cocktail menu. So you basically followed their specs. You know, there really wasn't any push for creativity. It was just make our drinks. Um, At Charlie Palmer, though, we were responsible for the seasonal uh, cocktail menu. So that was kind of like my introduction in, into kind of creating cocktails. Um, I didn't have to create a story back then. It was just more like taste, what would sell. And so when Gabe hit me up and was like, hey, you know, we're opening up a new restaurant in Newport. Um, you're going to love it. We're opening up in six months. I was like, perfect, because I had just left my last job. And I was like, six months is perfect. So I'll just take a six month hiatus, enjoy time with my family before I, you know, hit the floor running on the grind again. And um, been here since day one. Um, and while I was here, um, 
because I had already been entering competitions and stuff, uh, Gabe pretty much said, you know, I'll give you whatever creative freedom you want, you know, and that's, that's very excellent. rare. And that's a lot of trust. Yeah. It's, it's very rare when you find a restaurant group that's willing to back you up and back you up in a way where they allow you that creative freedom, um, incorporated me into their cocktail program. Like the cocktail list we have here is all Gabe Worley. Um, but we have the cocktail journal, which is me. So allowing me to have that one little slot on the menu to constantly be creative every single month is probably my biggest drive for staying here. Yeah, that's massive. Um, having a, a, a group of owners that believe in you and support you is also very, very rare, which is why it's very hard for me to leave here. And I don't think I would ever leave here unless... You know, I get a job in Maui or something. <laughs> Moving to the island would be a good reason that, to that, leave. That probably stands true for most people in most careers across the board. And I want to say for anybody listening who's in Orange County who may not be familiar with the restaurants, Vine is in San Clemente. I want to say right off of Del Mar. Ironwood is, I want to say Laguna Hills is what yeah. it's classified as. Off and that's La Paz. La Paz. And then obviously uh, Aaliyah right here, 17th Street in Newport Beach. You cannot miss it. And then they recently uh, acquired Sapphires last that's year. That's right. That was so, the last one. Yep. There was something on the tip of my tongue, and that's what I forgot. They picked up Sapphire, too, yeah. which is obviously a tried and true one. Um, opening this place from the beginning, you've been here since day one, the cocktail journal, et cetera. What's the, the journey been like? Before we kind of have to touch on the elephant in the room, which is the past 18 months of everything else, what was the journey like from day one to, to kind of see it evolve and grow and, and, and respect and credit where it's due? There was, this restaurant group was still a new restaurant group, relatively speaking. San Clemente is a town that's just getting, kind of getting its dues, and, and Vine was always well, well kind of awarded. But they're a group that was very new, and it's, it's hard to make a name in this. So to come out swinging and, and have spots that have been so, so good, what's it been like to be a part of it since the beginning, at least speaking here? Um, I think... A, a big part of it plays to the owners themselves because they all worked in the industry. Mm -hmm. They all either bartended, man, you know, worked as bartenders. Which is also or, a rarity. Yeah, and or, you know, have had their hands involved in the restaurant industry for a long time. So, you know, especially working with Gabe, because I had worked with him behind the bar at Charlie Palmer, coming here, I knew that being a bartender or an ex-bartender himself, he knows how to structure and design a bar or how to, you know, we've, We've had lots of, you know, like trial and errors on, you know, what are the most efficient ways, you know, to run a bar. And I think that helped a lot in developing the flow and the smooth operation that they have at all their restaurants. And then just, you know, again, with them being in the industry for so long, they've developed their own regulars that, you know, they go, hey, you know, we're opening a new restaurant and these regulars come, they love the experience. And, you know, I think a big part of it is just selling the experience of yeah. being there, you know. Yeah. Uh, we consider Olea kind of like the local cheers for the old Newport and, you know, Eastside Costa Mesa crowd. You know, we, a lot of neighbors, you know, come in almost on a, you know, every couple days, sometimes on a weekly basis, sometimes we see them like, you know, two nights in a row, three nights in a row, or, you know, um, they bring lots of friends in, um, a lot of my regulars from other restaurants that I have been at, you know, especially once I started the cocktail journal here, um, started coming here um, as a loyalty to me as, you know, as a patron and go, well, we want to try a cocktail. We want to try something that you're, you're creating because I've used to do that for them in the past. So yeah. I think just kind of cultivating that experience um, for our guests has kind of kept us on the top. You know, and well, then the it, it, yeah, it's a place that consistently lands on most people's kind of best of list, top 50 list, top 25s, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this is not a place that is shy, I guess we'll say. <laughs> and so when it comes to the monthly cocktails, I want to talk about those. Um, how soon are you starting the development process? I mean, you like to pair each one with a story. Yes. How soon? And I guess I, let me back up. How does the framework start? Do you kind of find the spirit first and then the drink? Is it the drink? Do you kind of find a story? Does the story go with the spirit? Kind of walk through the creative process. It's like putting a liquid author on the spot. Yeah. What's, what's the development process like? Um, well, right now, we I think we are booked out till maybe May or June of next year already. Already um, with or the drinks of the month. Yeah, well, at least with the spirits. Yeah. Um, I usually get started with the stories a couple of months prior to we uh, to us featuring it. Um, but I'll have liquor reps come in here. So th when I started the cocktail journal program, I was approached by the owners and they basically asked me, like, you know, being here in Orange County, especially in Newport, Costa Mesa, there's a lot of craft cocktail bars here, you know. So how can we compete 
with these other cocktail programs? How can we kind of stand out, I guess, in a sense? And at the time, I was like, you know, well, give me, you know, a month or two to kind of, you know, mull over some ideas. And eventually, I wrote out this full business proposal about doing the cocktail journal, because the way I saw it, it was basically a win-win situation for everybody. Um, Being a bar manager, uh, like for Gabe, you know, being the beverage director, you get hit up by liquor reps all the time to do tastings, you know, and they always want to get some sort of placement in the restaurant. Yeah, I know that we're pre-service right now, but I'm actually a little surprised that three of them haven't knocked on the door already. (laughs) And that's not a knock to our friends who are liquor reps. It's just the way the business is done. It definitely is. It definitely is. So um, part of my pitch to them was, well, you know, we're, you know, we know this happens in the industry. So what would be a great way to kind of, make it a win-win situation for everybody. This way, people are not hounding our beverage director about trying to get tastings or being featured in the restaurant. Uh, Liquor reps now come and see me. We do a tasting and then I go, okay, well, let me see what I have open. And then we'll basically book them for like a very specific month. Um, And um, it was a win-win situation in the sense that um, when you create a cocktail, like you know, last month we did the Thai tea cocktail yeah. with Papa's Pilar Blonde, the Liquor 43. Which um, I know it's an audio horchata. podcast and people can't see, but you had a little bit of it left and you were kind enough to give some and it is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> if you like Thai tea, this is definitely up your alley, especially with some booze in it. Um, so, oh my God, I just totally lost track of what we were talking about. <laughs> Sorry, the process for building out kind of the, the monthly, the reps come okay, to you. Okay, yeah, the you reps come to me. for it. Um, and then, you know, I taste and then I go, okay, well, let's see where we have room. And then, you know, we kind of book that there. And then creating the stories allowed me to keep practicing um, writing stories for competitions because I didn't plan on stopping. You know, I, I was like, I, I love doing it. Yeah. You know, um, I love being able to tell stories. So, you know, one of the things for me was I had entered all these competitions and had created all these stories. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do with all these stories? And they're, they're, they're beautiful stories. I'd love to like make a book out of it, but you know, trying to find a publisher and you know, that whole, whole ordeal I was like, no, not, not ready for that. So the, the light bulb came on and I'm like, okay, well maybe we can do the cocktail journal and I can feature a story with every single cock, uh, every single cocktail that comes out. And this way my stories can be told guests will get to hear the story behind the cocktail versus just a group of judges. Yeah. Um, people will actually understand where the inspiration and, um, you know, and introduce them to new ingredients as well or new spirits. Um, and, you know, we have these little cards that come with the cocktail journal with the story printed on it. And it's become almost like kind of like collector's thing. So we have cocktail enthusiasts that come in every single month now to collect the cards. And it's my way of basically creating a cocktail book, but in an unbinded form. That's excellent. I love that. Well, speaking to the creativity of it, and obviously your drive and passion behind it is, is so tangible, even in, for people that are listening, even just an audio format, let alone to see kind of the, the way it lights up your face. I got to ask the hard question, when everything shut down and you weren't able to give kind of those same experiences as far as kind of the person coming in, sitting at the bar, et cetera, being able to explain it yourself and seeing their reaction. What was that like for you? And to kind of the the follow-up question also, that obviously means no competitions too. So basically everything that you've been passionately talking about for about 20 minutes now was taken away during the pandemic. What was that experience like for you? Um, It was one of those things where it was definitely a shock. You know, Um, I don't think any of us ever expected um, this to hit our industry the way that it did. Um, Luckily for me, Olia stayed open um, just even if it was just to do do to goes. Mm -hmm. But because we're offering cocktails to go, I was still able to come in and do that. And we still try to work with um, liquor brands and try to do some sort of promotion in that way by like featuring like you know, specific cocktail for, you know, Easter brunch or, you know, for, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or any, any kind of holiday, we try to incorporate some sort of like craft cocktail, like something a little bit more unique to be able to sell out the door as well. Um, I did have to take a halt as far as the competitions. There were some virtual ones, um, but I mean, it's not quite the same when you have to do a virtual competition. Um, so I did do um, a couple of virtual ones. I mean, I did the last competition right before COVID hit was actually world class, I think. Yeah, was that for was me. just kind of what it, I want to say, like the rounds, like one of the rounds had just wrapped up literally like right before everything hit. Yeah, I think it was, um, I made top 100 for the last one. And then um, 
didn't make it to the second round to the finals because I used an ingredient that wasn't on the pantry list. Mm. I know. I know. I read it wrong. I read pomegranate and it was pomegranate molasses. So. Yeah, that'll get you. Yeah, technicalities, you know, <laughs> technicalities. Now, well, this year I entered again. I actually submitted everything on December 1st, like literally the last day. Um, I had one of the Diageo reps actually came in yesterday and I made him the whole menu that I submitted, even though I'm only supposed to like have them remake one of them. Um, when he came in, I still wanted him to try the full menu. So yeah. um, he tried that, which was kind of cool. And he liked it. So I was like, yay. Um, but um I think it was during the finals. I think it was like the second round. That's when COVID hit and everything kind of shut down. So I didn't make it to that round. So I was like, okay, we'll focus more on other things. Um, working here at Olea um, has opened up opportunities outside of the restaurant, which kind of kept me going during the last 18 months. Um, I was able to land a um, opportunity to work with Marketeam, which is a hospitality consulting company based in Mission Viejo, and they recently opened an office in Vegas. So I do a lot of um, cocktail conceptions for them, designing cocktail menus for existing restaurants. Um, I did, I think I did a few in Vegas. I did Carmine's and Caesar's, um, Virgil's Barbecue by the Link. Um, I recently just finished a job for um, Five Iron Golf, which is also in Vegas. So Having that introduction, and it was through um, Russ Senior, uh, Russ Bendel Senior. He was the one that threw my hat, my name into the hat to the marketing company, and they, you know, they brought me on and have pretty much provided me with lots of work to do, you yeah. know, and work that I could do from home, you know, because that's, you know, conceptualizing cocktails and taking pictures and stuff like that. I didn't physically have to be in an office to be, you know, to be able to do that. So that kind of helped me keep my creativity going a little bit. Um, and then of course, being a rum runner for Papa's Pilar, even though we weren't allowed to go on premise to restaurants or to stores and stuff like that, um, they provided me with a lot of um, other opportunities as far as content um, on social media, which, you know, again, helped me push that creativity and kept me going even during that time when I wasn't really given the normalcy of being behind the bar and being able to do that as well. Yeah. Well, it's time for a little commercial, yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by a mass 100%. 
They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. That as well. Yeah. Now that things are, vir- well, not virtually, that'll get the wrong impression, but now that everything is basically back open, what's it been like to, what was that feeling like when things kind of first opened and those first kind of competitions talked to, I mean, we, we talked about the Irbys, but there have been competitions well before that um, that have happened since everything kind of quote unquote reopened. What was that sensation like to kind of exhale and be like, okay, shit, we're back. Um, it was exciting. I was, I was very happy because I was like, okay, yay. You know, now I, now I get to do what I love doing, you know, again. And, you know, um, I did the Hennessy My Way competition. I think that was one of the virtual ones that Mm -hmm. I did. Um, And I made it to, I was basically the runner up. So if someone didn't RSVP for the finals, um, I was going to be able to make it into the finals. So, yeah, but unfortunately, everybody RSVP'd, like, why wouldn't you? If you could could win a trip to France, (laughs) why would you not RSVP? I mean, you would be a fool to not RSVP. But, um, being, I guess, on the runner-up list um, caught the attention of the Hennessy brand ambassadors, and now they come by. I've done three different events for Hennessy now. Um, I did their Mid-Autumn Moon uh, virtual festival that they did, and got to meet Harry Shum Jr., which was kind of cool. Ooh. Yeah, make drinks for him and interact with him. Um, I did their Hennessy All-Star Basketball tournament that they did for some of their clients. And it was kind of like their launch to announce that they were the new sponsor for the NBA. So I got to be a part of that. And then I recently uh, went up there for a, um, I guess it's more of like a live stream panel kind of thing where um, it was called, it's called a genius perspective. So it should be coming out pretty soon. Um, they'll, they'll probably be posting something about it soon, but uh, I didn't have any speaking parts in that. It was just more like me making drinks for the people who were speaking on the panel. And then, of course, hand modeling at the end, making a Negroni with Hennessy. There you um, go. But it opened up opportunities. And, you know, um, regardless of whether it's virtual or in person, you know, I still do it. You know, yeah. you never know what opportunities may open up. Like, I would have never thought that I would be doing so many Hennessy things, considering I never even made it to the finals. You know, so having... Um, being runner up is actually not that bad. I don't mind being second place. Yeah, all the it doesn't time. sound like it's terrible. No, I mean, it, it, all these things don't sound like they're that bad. Uh, as somebody who's done not teaching, but I, I've done a lot of coaching of youth sports across various age groups and things like that. So I kind of understand the the sacrifice and the commitment to it. Not at the same level as a teacher, but there's something that you get when you kind of work with um, you know kids, whether it's middle school, high school age, whatever it is. Is there any aspect of you that misses? that interaction kind of the the teaching and the sharing knowledge or are you able to do that in the hospitality world by maybe bringing on like a a new bartender or something like that are you still kind of being able to scratch that itch because hate hate or love the job it's something that there's kind of an inherent drive within anybody who's done any form of education of any type are do you ever still feel that kind of itch a little bit and are you able to kind of scratch it by educating people about spirits and things like that even guests oh yeah Absolutely. Um, uh, well, one of the ways is, you know, a lot of the regulars here um, don't even know that there's a whole world of competitions for bartenders. And when I made Pertone Perfectionist Top 30, um, I think the, the next round was a voting round. So you had to get people to vote. And, you know, I would start telling guests like, hey, you know, um, they go, oh, we love you. We love you. I'm like, okay, well, if you love me so much, then go yeah. on this website and vote for yeah. me, Prove vote it. for my cocktail. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, well, what's that? And I, you know, basically educate them and be like, well, you know, aside from just being, you know, your bartender here at Olea, um, I enter a lot of competitions. They go, wait, there's competitions for bartenders. Um, and I go, yeah. They go, how come they don't televise any of these things? And I was like, you know, that would be actually a pretty interesting idea. (laughs) You know, people yell at bowling on ESPN. Like it's still going to be whether you love cocktails or not, it's still going to be an upsell. Yeah. So I I was like, you know, maybe like a chopped version of of a cocktail competition would be kind of kind of kind of cool to watch on TV. I just heard Chris Collinsworth pop in my head. Now, here's a guy (laughs) talking about like, oh, my God, that'd be awesome. I love it. Let's televise cocktail competitions. Make it happen. We need to make that happen. We need to make it happen. So educating guests about, you know, this whole world of cocktail competitions. And then again, tying it back to the cocktail journal and explaining this is the reason why we even started this program. They're like, oh, wow. Um, We also recently um, 
promoted one of our servers here. Uh, she bartended at other restaurants, mm -hmm. but when she came on board here, we were more short staffed for servers. So we had her serve for a little bit, but we ended up bringing her back behind the bar um, after COVID because, you know, we lost quite a few people. I yeah. think like every other restaurant, either people moved away, they retired, they got into a different industry. So when she came on board, you know, she was very hungry and eager to learn. And that is where I, I satisfied that itch to teach. Um, I basically consider my little Padawan. Um, and I had her, I would give her homework assignments and be like, okay, here is a spirit. I want you to create a cocktail with this spirit. But at the same time, you also have to tell me a story to go with your cocktail. And, you know, the first draft, you know, we kind of read through what she had written and, you know, some of the ingredients. I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can, you know, like, let's switch this out or let's maybe focus it more on in this direction as far as your story is concerned. Because I wanted to kind of hone her and train her um, using all the stuff that I had learned entering all these competitions. You know, I told her glassware makes an impression. Mm -hmm. Garnishes make an impression. The name, you know, um, the cocktail that she submitted ended up making top 34 Gentleman Jack Sour competition. It was her very first competition entering. And for her to make top 30, I was extremely proud of her. I was like, so, you know, she's, she's learning and she's applying it and look at her now, you yeah, know. That's awesome. And now she's entering a whole bunch of competitions too. I think she did the uh, Mestiza Mezcal one. Mm -hmm. um, I think she did that one. Um, and she actually came out to watch me do the Bentley Heritage competition over oh, at Rodeo yeah, 39. Yeah. Yep. Um, that was her first time actually watching an actual live co uh, cocktail competition to see how it goes. And she's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. This looks so <laughs> nerve wracking. She goes, how did you do that? And I told her, you know, just think of the, the, the judges as being guests at your bar, that you're there to entertain them, you know, and, and create an experience for them with your cocktail. And she ended up, you know, doing the Gentleman Jack one. We worked on that one. I helped her with her pictures. Um, she named it, uh, originally she was going to name it um, Resting Brunch Face, <laughs> which is a great name. I like it. But I was thinking, oh, but considering it's like Gentleman Jack and it's a little bit more of like a bigger competition, like if it's like a Mestiza Mezcal competition, like a more local one, mm -hmm. go for that name, you know, because yeah, it'll absolutely. totally sell. But if this is something that they may take on a more national or even international level, that may not necessarily you to be a little bit more refined, sellable, sellable yeah. exactly. Something a little bit more relatable. So considering that she designed her cocktail after a um, after lemon ricotta pancakes that she had um, at this breakfast place, um, I told her, why don't you call it uh, Brunch at Tiffany's? And she was like, oh, my God, I love that, that that name. And everybody can relate to it. You know, it's it's a very classic movie, but everybody has heard that term, Brunch at Tiffany's. Even if you haven't seen the movie, everybody knows that shot of Hepburn. Yes. Everybody. Everybody does. And if you say you don't, you're lying. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> so um, she designed her cocktail and she served it, uh, garnished it with a little uh, mini pancake. And I go, you know, what? let's kick it up one notch. Add a piece of candied bacon yeah. to that garnish. And so she did. And next thing you know, we, you know, she submits her, her thing and, you know, she's like, okay, I did it. I'm, That's I'm excellent. Done. And she ended up making top 30 and she That's was like, fantastic. I don't know what to do now. Cause now I have to go. Cause at the time it was still virtual. So she had to set up and still uh, present her cocktail virtually to the judges. Which is a whole new level of difficult. It is. It, it's an entirely new level. Now I, I, by no means am a bartender. I, by no means am a talented bartender in any way, shape or form, but I've been asked to do a couple of those things and they've all been where you had to record yourself. And when you're just yelling at your phone and especially with the goddamn iPhones and the multiple things, you're not <laughs> sure which one to look at. It's hard. So to be able to do that, good for her. That's yeah. excellent. And by the way, before anybody writes in, we know it's breakfast at Tiffany's, but brunch at Tiffany's was the selling point. So calm yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> brunch at Tiffany's. I love we had that. To do, yeah. We had to kind of sell it a little bit more. Um, and she, um, she had a, you know, set up her computer. I think her, hers was like a live zoom um, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So she was able to see the judges and everything. Which and is even more stressful because God forbid your internet drops or something oh, happens like. And then yeah. where do you set up? You know what I mean? Like you don't, you want it to be somewhat presentable. So I told her, I go, come to Aaliyah, you know, come to Aaliyah earlier during the day when we're not open. And yep. this way, at least you have a beautiful bar behind you. You could set things up. Things will go a little bit more smoothly because you're a little bit more familiar with the bar and you can kind of place things where you need to. Um, and she did the competition and unfortunately she didn't make it to the next round and but she was um, very very happy she still did the experience because it was it was 
wasn't something that she had ever tried before. Well, it's just and, that. It's an experience. Yeah. You're going to learn from that experience. Yeah. Whatever experience you get in life, good, bad, or otherwise, you will learn from it. Yeah. Ultimately. And you're, you're putting yourself out there for the yeah. world. You know what I mean? You're, you're putting yourself out there to be judged, to be criticized, you know? And, you know, she was a little bummed when she didn't make it. But at the same time, I told her, there's something to gain, you know? And I go, usually these big competitions, they'll give you feedback as far as what they're, you know, what you were lacking or what they were kind of looking for. And when she got her feedback, she was like, okay. Um, she didn't talk about the sours enough, you know. So she understood why she didn't make it to the next round, but she was able to take that feedback and now apply it to the next competition, yeah. you know. And I think in the next competition that she did, um, she went against, I think, her significant other. Um, they actually <laughs> nice. went head to head, too. Um, and. You know, she thought that she didn't make it to the next round and she ended up making it to, to the semifinals. So she was like, oh my God. But Marvin, I think, ended up winning that one. She should have named that drink, uh, gender reveal. Really <laughs> messed with them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now she's going to be doing the um, competition with me on Monday. Uh, mm -hmm. We're actually going to be going against each other. So we haven't really talked this past week. Maybe not about, well, we'll talk about social stuff, but definitely not about cocktail stuff because, you know, we're competing yeah. against each other. Now everything's um, just very clandestine and quiet and, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, I always tell her if you need help with anything, you know, let me know. I'm always, I'm always here, you know, to kind of help you out because I... She's not trying to game you or anything. She's like, well, what if I wanted to do like an elevated frothy? You're like, oh shit, what's she making? Just something completely different. She's just getting in your head. Well, it's I told her, games. I go, you know, you, based off of the stuff that I've seen her do in the past, she loves playing around with really fun ingredients. And one of the ones I told her, I would go, you need to do something with black sesame. Like figure out a cocktail. I would go, I even want to do a cocktail with black sesame, but I haven't conceptualized anything yet. Who knows? Maybe a future cocktail journal. We'll see. I like um, it. Yeah, you know. There's absolutely, there's so many different facets of bartending, whether it's dive bar, whether it's, you know, speed. I know you said your friend worked at Hawkinson. Jesus Christ, you want to talk about speed. Yeah. I mean, goodness and volume too. It, whatever area of bartending people are in, is admirable and wonderful and work and, and make your money and bust your tail and whatever you're comfortable with, do that. To people that may not be in kind of the, not slower paced, but I guess more, and relax isn't even the right word either, but I guess the more kind of craft side, um, like most cocktail competitions tend to kind of lend themselves, what would be your selling point to somebody who maybe has looked at it and, and, and maybe even scoffed at it or you know followed a meme account that made fun of them or anything like that? What would be your counter argument to somebody to be like, hey, this is why you should maybe even consider it, maybe even just doing one cocktail competition? What would be your pitch to them? Uh, my pitch to them would be, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, the way I sold it to Sarah was, you know, you you really don't know. I mean, one of the reasons why I enter cocktail competitions, I don't do it to win. I do it to showcase what I love to do. Um, I do it to network with other bartenders um, because, to be honest, you meet a lot of people um, entering competitions. Yeah, I, I should say for anybody, and again, I can't speak to the national scale like a Hennessy's or anything like that, but having been to and supported and judged and supported again at tons of local ones, um, they're fun. And it's are. everybody you know. It's basically just like, it feels like a high school reunion, but all of you don't hate each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really nice. I mean, it's one of the few times when you get to hang out with your fellow bartenders that yeah. work at other restaurants, you know what I mean? Um, in a more social setting, because majority of the time you're working the same schedule. Yeah. So you don't really get to see them. And then of course on your days off, you know, like I have a family, so my days off are dedicated to my kids and my husband. Um, but, you know, when I have cocktail competitions, that's kind of like my time to go hang out with like my fellow bartenders, you know, and, and geek out over cocktails and spirits and stuff like that with them. So uh, the way I see it, I mean, I always see it as like, first and foremost, it's always a great learning experience. There's so much to learn about the industry going through these cocktail competitions. Um, it really helps you hone your craft. Um, it really makes you push yourself um, and help you think outside of the box um, and really kind of find new ways or be innovative in our industry. Because, you know, a lot of the cocktails, they all start with a basic riff of a classic. You know, there's always a, the foundation of every cocktail. There's always some sort of basic classic cocktail that you're riffing off of, but you're elevating it to this yeah. beautiful presentation the, of the that I think I heard this first on Eric Castro and I don't remember his podcast uh, bartender at large people should definitely listen to and I don't remember if he said it or a guest but they call it the Mr. Potato Head theory where you just take off one part and you put in another part 
or it's, you know, you're just interchanging parts of classics and all of a sudden you have something new. Yeah. But it's rooted in, and this kind of claps back to your teaching, history. It's yeah. rooted in a cocktail that's been around forever. You're just changing out different parts and now presenting it in a new light. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a really great way of putting it. Yeah. Absolutely, Mr. Potato Head. I like that. Actually, it might like have been that. Giuseppe Gonzalez, but I think he was on Bartender at Large. I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, that's the way they described it, and that always kind of stuck with me about yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect analogy, I feel so like. So your upsell for somebody would be, it's the networking, it's the sense of community, it's the, you're going to see something new, you're going to learn something new, and worst case scenario, you're going to get to spend a night with your peers and your friends. Yeah, exactly. Whether you win or lose, you still have a great evening hanging out with your friends in the industry. Yeah. And, you know, you meet new people, too. You know, that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, I know that um, doing the competition, especially world-class, when I did that, um, I had to join USBG in order to continue mm -hmm. um, in that competition. And I'm actually very happy that they made me do that because um, I've, you know, even though I was a member, I hadn't gone for like a year. I kept yeah. renewing my membership, but I never went to an actual meeting. And it wasn't until this past year, I actually started attending my chapter meetings and I love it. You know, it's another, it's one day out of the month that I get to hang out with fellow bartenders, meet new bartenders that are moving into the area, um, learn about spirits. Um, and usually, you know, they bring a lot of swag. Yeah. I mean, you're paying. Spirit companies do love swag. They they do they they love handing out swag. And I should say for those that are listening that may not be bartenders that may not be industry, uh, USBG is United States Bartenders Guild. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so there's different chapters. Orange County has definitely been a chapter that's been up and coming. Mm -hmm. um, being a bartender in Orange County, bartender in Orange County. I mean, one of my main goals has always been to put Orange County on the map as far as bartenders are concerned. Because whenever I enter competitions, it's always, you know, I have to pick a region. And it's always LA or San Diego. Yeah. Orange County is never an option, but I'm like, we have such great bartenders and mixologists in this area. We do. And we just don't get that recognition. So for me to be able to like make regional finals for San Diego, but be an Orange County bartender, you know, was like, hey, we're, you know, we're here too. You need to recognize us, yeah. you know, we're, we're, I've, we're I've, here. I've made my own umbrage with food media outlets that are LA based and San Diego based that just include Orange County restaurants. And rightfully so for the ones that deserve the recognition, but still, Orange County is its own animal. It and is. We do have a lot of talent. Even the talent that has moved away, sadly, is still recognized, and we still love them and everything they gave to the Orange County industry. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. well, that's great to hear. Well, Inga, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Obviously, pre-service, you've got a busy night ahead. Many, many great cocktails to make and stories to tell. If people wanted to find you on social media to check out the restaurant, come see you, come kind of hear the stories and enjoy the drinks, where can people do that at? Um, cocktails by Ings, uh, cocktails by, and then I N G S, um, is where you can find me on Instagram. I also have a TikTok. I don't, I post mostly cocktail stuff on there too, but every now and then you'll see some personal stuff. Um, just because I love, I just love watching TikTok stuff. I could spend hours just scrolling, <laughs> scrolling through. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, there's, I did see, nothing wrong I will that. say I saw Crawford twice on my for you page today. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was like a sign like, oh Yes. I'm seeing Crawford later today. You know, TikTok must know because they're, you know, popping you up on my For You page. Um, and you can find me here at Olea Newport Beach. I'm usually here Wednesday through Saturday nights. Um, we're only open for dinner service. So we typically open at five o'clock on Wednesdays and uh, Sunday through Thursday. And then Friday and Saturday, we open up a little bit earlier. Um, so people can kind of, you know, especially people who are getting off work on Friday can get that cocktail in a little bit earlier yeah, uh, you than waiting get, for you know, lubricate before the weekend <laughs> Hyd hydration situation. Exactly. Exactly. Hydrate with a martini. <laughs> um, and it should be noted it also, it depends on the cocktail, like the competition, but if you check around for anybody that's listening, if you follow any of the local bartenders Inga, or anybody else, and they show that they're in a competition, unless it specifically says, so those aren't necessarily industry only. Now they're not necessarily public, but definitely, if there's a competition in the area, at least reach out to the people organizing it and ask, because if they're open to the public and if it's something you can come to, even if you just want to support somebody, come because they're fun and they're fun to see. So if they're open and they're available and obviously Inga will be competing in most of them, uh, do come out and support because they are fun. And, and even if you just come to one, at least you've come to one and they really are an experience. It's 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 a very unique experience and it, it's a good time. Yeah. It always is a good time because people go. I mean. You know, we're, we're drinking. 
we're drinking, we're making yeah, drinks and we're drinking. It's, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of bartenders. To, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And well, then, you know, you got always do your bartender's handshake. Very true. As always, you know, anybody in the industry. I mean, we even extend handshakes out to our regulars because they'll see us, you know, handshake with like, you know, we'll get a couple of bartenders from Gracias Madre on the break and we'll you know, yeah, handshake with them. And yep. then guests are like, well, what was that? And they go, we, you know, we call it a bartender's handshake. You know, if you work in the industry and we know you work in the industry and you come in, we'll usually have a quick little, uh, Fernie shot with you. It's a pick me up. <laughs> well, Inga, thank you so, so much for the time. I hope you have a great service tonight in any competitions that you are in in the future. I hope nothing but the best for you. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on Crawford. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Inga for taking the time to sit down. Thank you to the people that advertise um, on this podcast. There's going to be some more advertisers that have already signed up. They are coming on board. Uh, hopefully soon we'll get those things finalized. They'll be up in the new year. Thank you to everybody that supports on patreon.com each and every month, whether you support at $2, 15 you know, whatever it is. Um, I know that this is a niche product in a niche market, but every single one of you, this podcast, and I know I say this all the time, but it really is true, does not happen and it does not exist without your financial support each and every month. If you do not support on Patreon and you haven't this past year, all good, still love you, but maybe consider doing so up into the new year in 2022. It is gonna be a very, very exciting one. There's gonna be a ton of content coming exclusively to patrons, and it's not something I want you to miss out on. To everybody else throughout this entire past year, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, if you're listening to this in the new year, I hope it finds you happy and healthy. If you're listening to this way later on, Still, I hope that you are doing well. And to everybody who supported the Best Seats and the Best Seats podcast in 2021, you made it the fastest growing podcast of its type in this area. And it means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you to Inga. Thank you to every other guest that has given their time. To all of you, I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Orito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Jay Baker, Tim Swine. Thank you for your support.